0: We all want to find our passion, and we all want to find out what our purpose in life is. But before we can find out where we're going, we need to understand where we've been. Now, Maya Angelou wrote, I have great respect for the past. If you don't know where you've you've come from, you don't know where you're going. Well, where have we been? Is our past more than just our time here on earth? Did we have a prior life? that we can provide that can provide some answers. Can we connect with our prior life? Most faith-based religions say no. But Dr. Michael Newton, founder of the Newton Institute, says yes. And he developed Life Between Lives hypnotherapy to help us discover our past life or lives. It's pretty interesting stuff, huh? Well, let's explore that today. My guest is Richard Dugan Now, Richard hosts a long-standing spiritual radio show called Tell Me Your Story. He's an ordained minister, and for 30 years, 30 years, he has talked with thousands of authors and musicians and light workers and metaphysicians and spiritualists, co-creators, body, mind, and light workers, new thought people, visionaries, revolutionists, and innovators. He has talk to everybody. The goal, his goal, is to bring as many different ideas, beliefs, and viewpoints from around the world, to assist in a positive evolution of mankind, bringing about greater awareness of ourself and others. Richard, welcome to Life altering Events.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. I've Always, uh, I've gotten more and more used to being on this side of the, uh, of the table, as it were.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. I'm bumped We appreciate you th- giving us the time. Richard, you have a, an, an intriguing story, your background. Share that with the viewers.
1: Well, uh, first of all, I will say that, uh, and again, I, uh, I say this uh, with great respect, uh, love and, and appreciation for you having me on the program. I've actually been doing this for 40 years and years. it's just been an extraordinary journey since I was 19. Um, I guess it sounds kind of strange to start here, but I'm going to start there anyway. I was actually born legally blind. I had uh, uh, I had cataracts, nystagmus, and stigmatism, uh, the trifecta, if you will, yes. uh, hereditary, and had lots of surgeries as a kid growing up and everything, but was still legally blind. I had uh, 2,200 in my right eye. Which, for those who don't know how that calculates out, I could see at 20 feet what those with 20/20 vision could see at 200. Now, my left eye was even worse; is 2400. Uh, and it wasn't until my 36th year uh, that I had a lens implant. I had uh, basically waited for technology to catch up. And now I'm driving, and I still remember the day that I drove. I actually drove from Phoenix to Santa Barbara when we moved here in 2006. We were driving through Los Angeles on the freeway, and at first, uh, I, you know, it was, it was no big deal because we'd already traveled, you know, two, three, four, three hundred 300 miles or what have you from Phoenix. And all of a sudden, I'm looking around at the other cars and as we're moving forward, and I'm going, oh, my God, I'm, I'm in L.A. traffic. Driving! I and mean, that was that was quite an astounding moment. Um, I have always been interested in uh, other philosophies, other, and that's what I like to refer to them as, whether you want to call them religions, you know, that kind of thing. I'll even refer to Christian sects because there are so many different denominations, different ways of looking at things and so forth, as there are people who are into that faith, who who, uh, abide Mm -hmm. by that particular philosophy. And then there are others, like Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Taoism, Zen, uh, Sufism, uh, Zoroastrianism, and, and a lot of other isms that are out there. But as many people as there are on the planet, there are that many isms, because no two people believe the same. And yet, as I've often said to people, if um, putting it this in, in this vernacular, if the good Lord had intended for each one of us to live solitary lives, I am pretty certain that there are enough, if I may use a Star Trek a term, class M planets in the universe that each of us could occupy one of those planets and live their sol- live solitary lives. But the reality that we live in right now is we're all right here. We're here together. And that tells me that if we're here together, we're here to work together. We're here to play together. We're here to create together. Uh, We're here to create community, maybe not on the level of almost 8 billion, maybe on the level of 2 or 3 or 4 or 8 or 50 or 100 or whatever the number is that feels good to you. And that means also that, as uh, James Redfield says in his um, Celestine Prophecy, we each have messages for one another. And we need to be sharing those. We don't need to be putting up another Star Trek reference, the shields, uh, to, to keep people from getting in. And all we can do when the shields are up is fire our weapons. There's no, no way of, of uh, you know, sending or receiving information, messages, kindness, love, and so forth. Nobody can get in or out, you know. And, uh, and, and it's really unfortunate that we have reached uh, 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 that kind of critical situation, uh, not just in this country, but globally. Yes. I have <clears throat> been on what I call my search since I was 17. Now, of course, uh, being legally blind at the time uh, and even before then, I was through grade school and high school using large print books, talking books for the blind and recordings for the blind. One of those is, of course, uh, textbooks that are recorded. And this Mm -hmm. is long before Audible ever became cool. Okay, so Audible is nothing new to me. Matter of fact, um, when I married my first wife, who also was totally blind, I would record books on cassette for her. I, w- I, I think uh, I may even still have the reels or the cassettes of uh, Gerald Jampalski's Love is Letting Go of Fear. I even read one of Ramdas' really thick tomes back in the 80s. I recorded that and and uh, and so forth. Um, as well as the book through which I met my first wife, uh, Ogmandino's uh, the greatest miracle in the world. And um, so my f- search really began when I was 17 when I read and when blind people listen to audio, they're reading, okay? I read Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. It was recorded in 1972 in New York in the uh, studios of the recording, uh, recording House for the Blind that's what they called it I think that was the 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 right name of it Mm -hmm. and I was intrigued it was so fascinating to me and I I've listened to it hundreds of times since I have it on my phone I was quite elated in one sense as well as surprised when I heard the news following Steve Jobs passing that on his iPhone he only had one book And that was Paramahansa Yogananda's Autobiography of a Yogi. Mm. And over the uh, subsequent years from that point, as I moved forward into my career, I met some unbelievable people, incredible people, wonderful people uh, who have guided me and steered me and given me the philosophy that not only I live by today uh, with all kinds of wonderful uh, sayings and cute wisdoms that they've given me, but also with that understanding from a logical standpoint. And again, if the good Lord uh, created me, because as far as I know, as far as I know now, I didn't create myself. And who knows, maybe somewhere down the road I'll find out, oh, I'll be darned, I did. But until then, uh, he gave me, she gave me, it gave me this brain This brain that has a left and a right side, one emotional, one logical. And in some of the ancient wisdom teachings, it talks about how, for example, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we are told to sit down and reason together. Well, how do you do that? You do that with your brain. And in my logical uh, brain, I find it illogical to think that this was all an accident. It doesn't make any sense. If this is all an accident, then it doesn't matter whether I continue this interview uh, or say, you know what, Frank, I'm out of here. I'm going to go out, rape, pillage, and plunder because this is all an accident. My life is meaning- it has no meaning, and it doesn't matter what I do. But there's something inside of me that tells me, both from what I've already said, but also from my intuitive level, that my life does have meaning. Ergo, I'm not going anywhere until we're done, and uh, I'm going to do what I can to make whatever kind of a difference I can in the world today. Mm-hmm. I, I know that there has been a great deal of, for example, in our, in our, as, a, as our conversation is taking place, <clears throat> we have just been through, a rather horrendous, uh, bizarre, and uh, um, uh, confounding election. No yes. matter wh- no matter which side you choose to to sit on, it's still uh, rather confounding. But one of the questions that I have asked over and over again during every cycle, whether it's presidential, whether it's every two years, every four years, whether it's city, state, local, doesn't matter. The question that I ask, it kind of goes back to, I think, the question Ronald Reagan put forth to people during it was either his first or second run. Was that proverbial question, are you better off today than you were four years ago? That's right. I take a look at the last, now it's 70 years, it used to be only 60 years, uh, going back to the 50s, ab- ab- pro- post-World War II, and mm-hmm. I ask the question, are you, individual listening, are you actually doing better today, and now we're speaking specifically of the mat- on the material level, are you doing better today than your predecessors of the 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s? Are you really? Because from what I have seen, and I've watched the, the the political pendulum swinging back and forth and back and forth, and again, I take, I, I'm not, I'm on the, some would say I'm on the fence, I'm not taking a position, I'm not passing judgment either, but from what I have noticed, because it keeps swinging back and forth, we haven't made any progress, now maybe technologically and those kinds of things, yeah, but from a social uh uh uh, social and civil perspective it's actually gotten worse and i don't just mean the in uh, lack of civility i'm talking about the ways in which many people live we have more people living on the streets for one we have more people who go hungry at night before they go to sleep for number two and they say this is the greatest country in the world you know america is is you know just a wonderful bastion And we've got homeless people? Are you kidding me? Now, I'm not saying that we aren't great. In certain areas, we are. But at the same time, what about the other countries? What about the peoples of the rest of the world who are going through similar things? And that's why I say that we haven't made any progress. We haven't really achieved, and I'm not saying a utopia, um, but we haven't really achieved much. The last time, and maybe you might agree with me on this, Frank, Mm -hmm. The last time the planet, I would say probably the majority of the planet, was rallied around one single idea and event, in spite of the fact that there was supposedly a race going on, was when we, here in the U.S., launched Apollo 11... And we landed two men on the moon who walked around kicking up dust and so forth. They were no longer just Americans. They were the first humans to venture out. And I'm not even going into the the conspiracies about how we never went. And it was all on a soundstage. Just, you know what? The point is that that, to me, was the last time. Now, some people say, well, yeah, 9-11. No, 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 no. That wasn't global. That was U.S., I'm talking Mm -hmm. about the majority of the population sitting in front of their TVs or their radios or whatever form of communication they had. And listening as Apollo 11 landed, the the eagle sat sat down on the surface of the moon and Armstrong spoke those immortal words. We haven't had anything like that since 1969. And that, to me, is really sad.
0: Uh. I have to agree with you. I think that was the, I was a uh, teenager, I believe. Yeah. And it was a moment in time where I think the entire world felt good. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't look what the U.S. did. It's just look what we as people have. Exactly. What we're capable.
1: That to me was the magic. What we're capable of achieving. Yeah. And Kennedy was right we don't do things because they're easy we do them because they're hard because there's risk involved but that's that's human nature I mean you've seen many of the people who are involved in what they call extreme sports yes Uh, I had uh, an ophthalmologist back in Phoenix a doctor Thomas minus he was a skier into his 70s but not just a skier he would jump from a helicopter on skis along with his son i mean you know so that is part of our nature to experiment and to venture into what would be considered the unknown i mean you know as we both are very much aware we're we're there's conversation about going to mars I'm hoping we're not going to Mars to colonize and populate there because if we haven't taken care of this place, we have no business colonizing any place else. Uh, that's just my my humble opinion. That that until we and it's kind of it reminds me of growing up as a kid and my parents getting me to make my bed or or uh, pick up my room, you know, and that kind of thing. I always thought it was kind of strange that I would need to make my bed. Since in about 12 to 14 or 16 hours, I was just going to get in and again and mess it up. So, you know, but the point is we clean our homes. All right. Every every Saturday and or Sunday. And not that we don't do anything during the week, but Saturday and Sunday is our big cleaning day in our home here in Santa Barbara. I pull out the vacuum, vacuum up all the animal fur. uh, We dust. I get all the dishes done, uh, do all of this kind of thing to make it a nice place to live in. It's clean and orderly and get laundry going and this and that and the other. And when I hear these arguments about um, against especially the conversations regarding climate change, I say, look, throw out the science throw out the conversation of climate change. Don't you think we should just clean up our home where we live? That's all I'm asking. Just clean up where we live. We don't have to discuss climate change. We don't have to discuss any of that because that's going to happen regardless. And when I say that, I'm talking about cleaning up not just the land and not just the water, but the air also. And people who are fighting against Uh, shifting away from fossil fuels it's like well there was a time when we didn't use fossil fuels we used animals horses uh, oxen you know and and the list goes on of the different animals Uh, we get food from chickens and and many other animals as well Uh, and 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 the list goes on and then there are those uh, vegetarians well I I hate to bring this up uh, Frank but I don't know if you're familiar with. There's an Indian scientist going back to the uh, late teens or twenties of the twentieth century. His name was Jagadish Chandra Bose, and he is mentioned in autobiography of Yogi. And he created this device called a crescograph. Now, it's similar to the blood pressure uh, device that we use to check our human blood pressure. And so, what he did was he was able to hook the uh, electrodes up to the plants and he would use chloroform and he would be able to measure what they call the turgor pressure inside in in the plant <laughs> and when he put the chloroform next to the plant the turgor pressure dropped because the plant was now starting to die because of the chloroform when he moved the chloroform away the turgor pressure went back up well that kind of tells me that plants Not only are living, but they very well might have some form of consciousness, which means that they may have a a self-awareness, which means that they are on the same level as animals and you and me. Well, if that's the case, how can you eat them? So it's a rather perplexing problem. And I'm not saying we need to stop eating plants. Don't get me wrong. I'm just putting that out there to say, think about that. Again, that's just what goes on in my mind. Exactly. But when I go... Now you mentioned something
0: earlier that mm-hmm. there, there's no random acts, there's no coincidences, and that there's signs that are there. Things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if we're smart enough or aware enough, yeah, we can see what our intended path is. Is that right?
1: I would say yes. And actually, uh, there are no coincidences But there are coincidences, things that coincide. They happen separately and then come together. There have been many television programs that I've watched. I love watching these shows and movies as well, where they will have three or four or five or six different separate stories that they will dive into at the front end of the program. And as the movie or program moves forward, they start to intersect. Mm Mm-hmm at seeming random points but there's nothing random about it again if this universe and our lives are not an accident then there's a reason we may not know what that reason is at the time it happens but if we stay open and this is where uh... and i've been promoting this now since september of two thousand nineteen if uh, if we would just spend time during what I'm now referring to as the decade of perfect vision the 2020s um, and go within and listen to that still small voice we might get the meaning we might get if not the meaning the next step okay I just met this individual and this happened and this happened and this happened okay now what do I do what do I do with this now now, I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm still stopping every once in a while to listen, but for the most part, I'm in a, mo- in, in a forward motion and listening, okay, like you, like you would be in your, in your vehicle. And you're going along the freeway, and all of a sudden you're told, get off at exit 362. Ah, there it is. Okay, I'm getting off at 362. Now make a left. Okay, I'm going to make a left. And the list goes on. That's just a, a, a little example I had one of those situations where, on a financial level, where I was prompted to do something that was totally against my logical thinking. And the more I thought about it and the more I thought about it, I thought, well, you know what? You know, let's do this. And when I did it, it actually saved me a lot of money within the next week to 10 days. Okay, I didn't like doing it. From an ego perspective, my personality did not care to do what I was being prompted to do, but it ended up saving me money in the long run, if you will.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I believe, too, that that still small voice, that guidance, that intuition, it will never put you in harm's way. It didn't put me in harm's way. It may challenge you, and it did challenge me in that specific instance, but it's there for your benefit. It's, Mm -hmm. It's connected, if not actually part of your higher self your divine self the source from where we come from and it's weird to say that because where we come from we've never left see our bodies are finite but the essence that animates the body is infinite Mm -hmm. and it is part of the whole always has been always will be but right now we have chosen to so to speak Um, I don't want to say separate because we really haven't separated because there's still some people call it the thread, you know, it's kind of like the umbilical cord. But we've chosen to live these individual lives. For what reason? I don't know. And you know what? It doesn't really matter whether I know it now or not. One day, maybe I will. Maybe after I live this life. Mm -hmm. You made reference earlier to uh, Dr. Newton and his work on life between lives. And um, uh, I have there, we have a practitioner here in Santa Barbara who I went to. I went through one of the, uh, the exercises. He took me through uh, conscious hypnosis. I was 100% aware of what was happening, what I was saying, what I was experiencing. And I have to tell you that though I have never had a problem with the conversations around death and dying, or as I like to refer to, transitioning. I was thrilled at being able to experience, uh, and for me it was true, okay, the life before this one, Mm -hmm. because I am living a part of that past life today. I live up in a rural part of Santa Barbara. I have animals, sort of a ranch of sorts. We're in the process of building a greenhouse to grow our own vegetables and fruits, um, you know, we love living up there. We, we love being away from, uh, civilization, so to speak, at least at that level. There are other people living on the property and up on the mountain, but you know, we we get up out of the city and it's very, very nice. And mm-hmm. well, that was my per- previous life. I lived, uh, it was sort of the pioneer days, if you will, in the 1800s mm-hmm. and, and, uh, I had a farm and um you know one day uh my 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 barn burned down and so did the crops well i also had a cabin up in the mountains so i thought said "Eh, you know okay that's fine uh i'll just i'll go up there i can survive i'm a hunter i can do what i need to do gather wood and and have a fire in the winter and all those good things and the day of my passing from that lifetime I walked out onto the porch of my cabin, sat down in my chair, put my foot up on the railing, put my feet up on the railing, tilted my hat back, and I said, It's been a good life. And I left. Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't that be nice to be able to do to just leave? And and then you go into that between lives. What an experience that was. And I won't I won't go into that right now, but I have found in the years that I've been interviewing, and yes, it has been, I would say, thousands. I haven't kept count, but it has to be because every, uh, every year uh, I interview, now I do a lot of interviews that air on on the radio station that I currently work for here in Santa Barbara, three every week. Three different interviews every week. Well, if that's the mm-hmm. case, then you're talking about 150, 156 interviews a year, and then and then some that become podcasts and now we're on youtube as well with the video casts uh... and the people i have met i swear i would with all due humility give myself a phd in uh... eclectic studies Mm -hmm. because of the subject matter because of the questions that i get asked because of the comments that i will get following a question and this tells me I'm on the right path when I get a comment from a guest who says, you know, no one's ever asked me that question. I was interviewing a, a gentleman just the other day. Uh, he, um, uh, he basically uh, had gone through a, a, a situation with cancer. And he had his stomach, a portion of his esophagus and intestines removed. And as we're moving along, the question came to me. And it came to me from the universe. The universe asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride in those programs. Uh, the question came to me, have you considered what the metaphysical or spiritual meaning behind your cancer and specifically regarding your esophagus, stomach and intestines, uh, what that means? What, what is the meaning behind the, the physical aspects of it? And that was the response that I first response was, you know, no one's ever asked of me that, and I've never really thought about it. But he started thinking about it in the middle of the interview and verbalizing Mm -hmm. it. And uh, we need to do that with the things that happen to us on a material level. The things that happen to us on a material level are nothing more than uh, a reflection of what's going on inside. This was shared with me many years ago, and I look at it, and especially when it comes to nature, natural, we call them natural disasters. It's just nature doing what nature does. And the question was, uh, actually, this comment was made to me that, you know, when you see conflicts going on around the world, you see all of these different natural events occurring, hurricanes, earthquakes, typhoons, uh, tsunamis, uh, wildfires, and the list goes on. That is an indication of what's going on under the surface with humanity in maybe that particular area of the world or maybe the the world at large. I mean, we had what? We've had two world wars. okay? Mm -hmm. And I I find it hard to believe that they would call them world wars because I don't think every country on the planet was involved. But nonetheless, uh, there was something going on there. Well, what was it? what was happening under the surface on a metaphysical or spiritual level within the individuals involved as well as those who weren't involved um, and to that point
0: you question i've read you wrote this and it said uh, many people talk about their past lives and how it impacts their current life mm-hmm. and you wrote well, that's fine. It's fine to know that. However, knowing where you are now is greater and knowing who you want to be is even more important.
1: Yeah. Expand on it. Um, and I will tell you that I was something was shared with me not too long ago in that regard. Uh, usually you will hear the phrase that our our choices of yesterday uh, make uh, make who we are today and the choices we make today create our future. Right. Yes. Well, I was listening, watching a documentary, and this gentleman, he said, Now, if you look at that from a little different perspective and think about it seriously and logically, it is our perception or perspective of the future that creates our choices of today. Now, if you are one who believes that the apocalypse is coming— then your choices of today are going to be maybe to uh, dig a bunker and start becoming a prepper. If you believe that the world is going to go on as it always has and we're going to continue to raise the consciousness of the planet and we're going to move forward as a civilization and a species, then the choices you make today are going to help to bring that about. Now, what actually happens is, is anybody's guess at this point, but... That was a fascinating perspective, and I tend to agree with that as well. Where we are at this moment is what we must. I, I want uh, we must deal with, okay? Because we can't, we can't do anything about the future now, and we can't do anything about the past because it's already happened. Yes. Now. That that's that's just simplistic. but there are others who would would say, well, but if you're looking at it from the quantum physics perspective, da 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 da. da. I'm not going to go there at this point. I'm going to try to keep it simple. Um, and the the fact is that I can't change what happened in you know in regards to World War One or World War II or what happened on nine eleven, uh, or or anything else for that matter. Those are Now, lessons to be learned. Those are lessons to be learned. And only each one of us as individuals can determine what the lessons are. Uh, So from that standpoint, you let that go. Learn from it, please, but let it go. And work with what you have right now. One of the philosophies that I came up with as I was going through broadcast school in 1980 was uh, stemming from the fact that they were taking, and I, I give them all the credit in the world for doing this, uh, they were taking old amplifiers and other pieces of audio equipment and they would re-engineer them into the materials that they needed, like consoles for, uh, for control boards, for doing radio shows. I was really impressed that they were able to do that. And so the philosophy I got out of that was work with what you have until you get what you want. <clears throat> and I have, uh, I have, and 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 what also, what also goes along with that is that there is always a workaround. It may take you a little while to figure out what it is, but there's always a workaround. So there is nothing that you can't do now if you're willing to get creative. Let the imagination roll. As far as the future is concerned, yes, let's go ahead and plan. Um, they say when there are disasters, when there are wildfires or there's uh, the red flags and red flag warnings and all those kinds of things, they say, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. All right. I I can understand that. I certainly, absolutely. By the same token, uh, I also want to hope that the worst doesn't happen. And I'm going to put that energy out there so that it doesn't. Some days, some days it works and some days it doesn't because I'm just one person. But if more and more and more people become more aware, not just of their surroundings, but of the power that they have. And that's one of the questions that I used to ask my guests is how powerful are we? And most often they would say infinitely powerful. We are can do just about anything, we can do anything we want. I mean, look at, we, we landed a man on the moon. You know, we've had this space station orbiting the Earth for gosh knows how many years, you know, the International Space Station. Before that, it was Skylab. Uh, we've sent probes, Vega, and, uh, you know, uh, and on so forth, out into the universe to, to hopefully maybe meet others. Are there others out there? I tend to believe there are. I think it's the height of arrogance to think that m- man is the only sentient being in the universe. That just, again, it goes against all the logic that's in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but here and now is where we are. And and my example that I, I use quite often is when I am recording an interview. I am looking at the screen. I'm looking at my editor, my digital editor, and the waveform is being created. Now there's a center line. That kind of flickers a little bit. That's just showing that it's creating the wave. Well, if I can see the wave, that's the past. That's Mm -hmm. on the left side. On the right side, there's nothing. It's just darkness. That's the future. That center line that's flickering, that's the now. And here's the real paradox, uh, Frank. If you are hearing my words, you're hearing them, and it's already the past. It's, it, the past happens that fast. OK, and uh, so to take advantage of the now almost seems paradoxical, but that's where I know that a lot of a lot of people have been talking the uh, last few uh, years, if not longer, about mindfulness, you know, uh, which is supposed to help us to stay in this moment. Because if you're focused on the past or the future, then your emotions start to kick in. Uh, my wife is very excited about this greenhouse. It's not built yet, but in her mind, she, it's it's built and she's going to start working with it. And that's a wonderful thing. And I would never take that away from her. Uh, and that's why I'm working so hard to get the people together to help to do what we're calling a greenhouse raising. You've heard of barn raisings mm-hmm. before. And this yes, is a greenhouse yes. raising. So... Um, I think that it is so important to dream. That's part of what what we try to do. We give people choices and knowledge of those choices. And what that means is that a lot of times you don't have a clue as to what the choices are that you have. You know? Uh, And so we have different people on, even such as yourself, uh, on our program, who have their perspective. And every time I have a new guest on... And even when I have returning guests, uh, for me, it's like Christmas morning. I am opening up a package, a present, and that present is Frank's world. And I get to go into Frank's world and I get to find out where Frank is coming from. And there might be little bits and pieces, maybe not the totality, but little bits and pieces of what Frank shares. that I I like that. I'm going to incorporate that in my life into my Mm -hmm. puzzle and, and try to keep building the puzzle of the big picture. That's where uh, James Redfield's uh, comments about how we have messages for one another falls into falls in. So we give people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. But it's very important that you know what it is that you want. But this is where I also talk about people who are on, um, who are involved with, a um, the 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 um, they're they're referred to as entitlement programs all right yes Mm -hmm. and it's generational they don't know anything different because they haven't been educated beyond the entitlement programs now i was when i was in my late teens early 20s i was on entitlement i was getting social security because of my blindness at the time and i'm glad it was there at the time but it was short-lived Because I finally started working and I didn't need it anymore. I'm thankful that it was there and I hope that people take advantage of it for all of the right reasons. But it becomes generational in some families. And they don't know anything else other than. And until they are given new choices, they become aware of them. They don't have those choices to choose from. So that's why we have the diversity of people. I have Buddhists and Christians. I have had atheists on the program. I have to tell you that atheists, the people I've had on, they come across as being sometimes more spiritual than me because Mm -hmm. they have this innate awareness of who they are and what they can do. And they may not call it Uh, that still small voice may not be the divine talking to them because they don't believe there is one. But that doesn't mean that they don't have a moral compass, that they don't have the desire to be happy. And that's another aspect that I I really strongly promote. Our Declaration of Independence talks about these inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness— And I'm going to say something that may rub some people the wrong way, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of the most unhappy individuals in our country today is our former president. And this has nothing to do with politics. This has nothing to do with ideologies. This has to do with observation. Now, have we seen him smile on occasion? Sure, but it's been rare. And based upon his personality and behavior, again, politics and ideology aside, he comes across as one of the most unhappy individuals I have ever, I've ever seen. And I will tell you, he deserves to be happy. And I mean, genuinely happy, just like you and I are, Frank. I think you're a happy guy. Mm -hmm. You have happiness in your life. Maybe it's not 24-7, 365, but uh, there are a lot of people in institutions who have it 24-7, 365, (laughs) and that's okay. All right. I'm not passing judgment, but we all deserve happiness, and that's part of what we're trying to bring to our audience uh, especially when it comes to listening to that still, small voice. It will guide you. If that's what you want is happiness, okay, then who knows? Maybe there's going to be money at the end of that particular rainbow. Maybe there's going to be a relationship. Maybe there's going to be uh, an environmental change. In other words, you might move someplace that makes you happy. Um, but what's wrong with with you know, I found it interesting in the declaration there where it says we have these inalienable rights of life and liberty, okay, but not happiness. It's the pursuit of happiness. It's like, why can't we have happiness? Okay, why can't you give us that too? You know, because it's something that we have to, in a manner of speaking, we have to work at. Exactly. We have exactly. to genuinely want that. What I
0: see, Richard, and this will be my last question, mm-hmm. is, What you bring is let's open the door. Let's get perspectives and perspectives from multiple different sources. Now, one of the things that's really interesting is that when I came up in the business world, it was, this is the way it is. This is the path you follow. This is how it's done. Mm -hmm. That's over. That's over. Now I'm seeing in the business sector, let's get these different perspectives. Let's get these different ideas. Let's get these different mindsets into play. Do you see it getting better?
1: I do, uh, on certain levels, uh, with our former president, I, what I saw was that he didn't want any other perspectives. His was the only one, and, and that was it. And that's fine. That's fine. But usually, if you are going to be a leader at any level and in any endeavor, if you're going to be successful, all right, you have to look to those people in the different fields that you are going to be needing who are, if not experts, at least fairly knowledgeable so that you can glean from them the elements that are needed to achieve what it is that you as the leader want to achieve for the group. Um, I, I, I use this analogy. There's this circle and there's an event, if you will, Going on in the middle of the circle and it can be literally anything. And what we are trying to do is get people to move along the points on the outer portion of the circle to move around to as many of those points as possible to get as broad a perspective as, as, as they can. What really brought that home for me was when I was in college, junior college, and I was taking a photography class. It was black and white photography. I loved, I loved it. It was fantastic. I was able to literally, from the uh, loading of the camera with the film to putting the images, the pictures, the photographs into my uh, photo album, I could do all of that with the chemicals, the whole bit. Well, there was an accident that had happened um uh, at an intersection it was um i just i'm gonna throw it out no one's gonna know where this is but it was 20th street and oak uh, in phoenix uh and um and this was back in 1979 1980 early 80 and i had my camera and i started walking around the perimeter away from the tape you know that they put up um taking photographs and what that brought to mind was that that saying that there can be an accident, you can have 10 people who see that accident and you're going to get 10 different perspectives. And that's the point that you really. And that's the reason why my perspective of the former president has changed over the last four and a half years. Not that I, 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 I certainly do not agree with his his behavior and those kinds of things. And again, that has nothing to do with the politics. It's behavior here, okay, his character. But by the same token, the longer he was there, the more I was able to observe him, the more I was able to change my mindset. I went from, thank you teacher for teaching me how not to behave, to I forgive you, but more importantly, forgive myself for allowing myself to get caught up in this quagmire, to asking the question, what is it that you're so afraid of that that makes you speak and behave this way, now to saying to a fellow human being, ladies and gentlemen, I love you. You have every right to be here. I don't have to agree with the way you live your life. That's not my purpose. I'm not here to pass judgment. I am here to create community. And... That's what we need to do uh, in regards to to uh, uh, our our society. And exactly. unless we educate ourselves, unless we open ourselves up to other possibilities and we just stay in our comfort zone, which, again, if that's your choice, that's your choice. I don't I. I sure. I've got my comfort zones that I like. Sure. But it's by the same token. It's been 40 years that I've been doing this, and it's only the uh, uh, July of 2020 that I started doing video editing. I didn't want to have anything to do with video because it takes so long to get set up. Whereas with audio, you come in, you flip a switch, (laughs) and you press the button, and you go. Uh, But I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning, and I'm growing, and I've got a lot of people. And I will also tell you one other thing. I did not get here all by myself. I have... You know how there are some movies that run the credits and the credits will go on for like five minutes? Yes. Mine at least. Thousands of people I take my hat off to, literally and figuratively, that I thank for what they have given me to get to where I have gotten, and I hope I have been as influential as they have been for me to others in my circle, in my community.
0: And that is a great point to uh, to end our
1: show as we're running
0: out of time, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as I said, we're just about. I want to thank Richard. This this has really been an, an absolutely incredible conversation about perspectives and mindfulness, looking forward. And, and making choices,
1: or being aware being made aware of choices. Yeah. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You. I even have a book. It's called Choices, Five Steps for Life. Uh, right now, it's just a donation. It's a PDF, as it were, but it's uh, it's based on the, my wife's uh, uh, cancer back in 2001. She's been free and clear of it ever since, so she's healthy and well. But uh, it has to do with a lot of what we've talked about today in regards to choices.
0: Absolutely. It's, a, it's wonderful, and... You can get that information from Richard on his website or contact me, and I'll make sure that it gets to him, and you can find out how to get this information. So, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what life throws at you, as we heard today, it throws a lot of stuff at you. Please do three things. Look up. Get up. Never, ever give up. Pick up the pieces. Start moving forward, and better times and better people will come into your life. Mm -hmm. As I said, if you want more information about Richard, contact me. Go to his web, gets in touch. We I you can see this on Roku TV or you can see it on my YouTube channel, Frank Sakari. I will also and he'll post it in all the places where he posts things. If you do go to the Facebook page or the, the YouTube page, please subscribe. Yes. I only leave you with this, ladies and gentlemen, as I do every week. None of us are in this alone. And the secret walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Richard showed us where many, many of those rocks are. Join me again next week. We'll look at another life-altering event. Thank you.